0: Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now, please sit back and enjoy Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain.
1: Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death, and so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. I thought today I'd introduce you to a very scientifically minded man to get his take on the afterlife and consciousness. It's a common thought among skeptics that science in a whole doesn't believe in the afterlife. This is simply not true. There are many scientists like Dr. Alan Huguenot that are very interested in the topic. Dr. Alan Huguenot is a semi-retired naval architect and marine engineer. He holds a doctorate of science in mechanical engineering, and he is a nationally recognized expert in physics and engineering science. After surviving a near-death experience in 1970, he has made a 45-year scientific study of consciousness survival and evidential mediumship. He now serves as a research medium with the Consciousness Research Lab at the Institute of Noetic Sciences and also serves with Dr. Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona. He's on the board of directors for both the International Association for Near-Death Studies, IANS.org, and the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies. Welcome, Dr. Allen. We're happy to have you here. We're glad to be here. I watched the wonderful film that you had sent me on YouTube called The Nature of Consciousness, and I'm super excited to have you share your words with my listeners today.
2: All right. Well, I um, was a young man, a uh, college physics major and i was riding my motorcycle home from a, a day job i had uh, working and designing engineering uh sprinkler systems for buildings and uh, this guy turned left in front of me he never saw me and i got to hit the side of his car at about 25 miles an hour but it really takes you out i was in the hospital for 33 days i was in a coma for 12 hours wow and i had a near-death experience in 1970 that uh Raymond Moody didn't publish his book until 1975, right. the coined phrase near-death experience. So, of course, they're standard procedures. You're delusional. You think you're Jesus. You think you died and came back. And so they wanted to put me in the nut house. But my uh, orthopedic surgeon discharged me five days early from the hospital in order to, to get away from those people. He literally threw my clothes on my lap, put me in a wheelchair, and took me down the freight elevator and out the back door. So that they couldn't commit me to the insane asylum because mm. you had to be to think such stupid things as that you went to the other side and came back. Right. So I always say this. It's very funny this way. Um, in those days, they wanted to put me in the nuthouse. Now they pay me to speak. Um, <laughs> we made some progress, obviously.
1: What was your experience like and how many broken bones did you have?
2: In those days, our, our, our helmets that we wear on a motorcycle didn't have a, a, around in front of your chin. And so I took a nice bite out of his luggage rack, and I had the, all of the upper teeth were cracked and broken in oh. the top of my mouth and, and fissures above that in my skull. And then um, I had my, the radius of my right wrist is, was broken off and pushed up under the skin, clear up to my elbow. Um, and uh, then my, my right femur was shattered in about 400 pieces. They couldn't put a pin down the middle to put it back together. They had to put plates on the outside and it took about four hours to put the femur back together. And, of course, I went unconscious uh, about three hours after the accident because in those days they didn't cut your head open like we do now with uh, the Iraq war. We we're going to cut their head open and let their brain swell. And so they kind of look at you and say, well, if he's still here in a couple of days, we'll work on him. Oh, jeez. So um, so I there I was. And, and I wasn't bleeding or hemorrhaging. And so – they finally operated me on Thursday after I had the wreck on Monday. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Um, and so when they did finally operate, then I'm in traction and everything. And, and uh, it, was, it was pretty miserable. I was in uh, the intensive care for quite a long time. But uh, you want to know about the near-death experience itself. I went directly to the light. I didn't go down through a tunnel like a lot of people see a tunnel. And uh, the, to me, this is very interesting. Most near-death experience people tell you about going, and then when they come back, they say, suddenly I was back in my body. Well, I can't remember going, but I can certainly remember coming back into the body. And so only two or three of us that have gotten some really good stuff, one is PhD, Matt Water has some pretty good stuff on returning to the body. Uh-huh. And one of us, we remember coming, I remember coming through flames, she remembers coming through sparklers. and. And we think that as you return, that that's your extra intelligence or whatever you want to say it, annihilating in the as you come back into 3D, and from 4D or wherever we are, we're coming back into this environment and and that extra intelligence or or the the extra knowledge that you have. Because if you talk to near death experiences, we have all kinds of knowledge on that side. We come back here and we feel limited, and that's what it is. And so. Um, thought Hermes, uh, you know, 6,000 years ago said the soul is encased in flames. And yes, it is. So anyway, we we come back in and I remember slamming back into the body, coming in somewhere near the head and just wham, you're back into this, this existence, this painful existence. And the it wasn't my injuries. It was the the pain of, of the feelings of this physical existence if you push your two fingers together you feel the two fingers touching each other. Keep pushing, and it starts to hurt. Mm-hmm. Everything that you feel in this universe is pain. That's what you feel. mean call it emotions or feelings, but it's all pain, just different levels of it. And so I slam back into the body. Ah, I'm back in this thick, dense, awful place. Being with the light over there. Hey, it was home. I'd, I'd known the light for a thousand years. It's like. Hey, I'm, you know, no introductions. I know this light. The light knows me. That's us. You know, we are me. You know, and then all of a sudden, I'm back here, and that's why some near-death experiencers say to the ERS, uh, you know, the EMTs that that have uh, revived them, they say, "Why'd you do that? I, I liked where I was." Mm. You know, uh, we really don't want to come back, and um, yet when we do, we don't commit suicide because we know that the the message we got while we were over there was. You can't come here till you finish what you're doing there, which means if we were to commit suicide and have a, a body that wasn't viable, we'd have to be born again and come back through another little baby's body and, and you know, have another lifetime in order to finish our destiny, whatever that is. So we're convinced that we need to finish it so we can stay over there. We mm-hmm. go back very badly, but we don't go back early. And so... Uh, that tells me a lot about this side, and so there I am, you know, 21 years old, and I'm a, a, a college student, and and I know all about this, and I know that this this whole universe that we don't even think about, and I'm studying Newtonian physics in the little box that that we have, and I made my whole career in hydrodynamics and everything else using Newtonian physics, but all the time I knew we this this huge universe is out there, it's much bigger. And then one day in 1998, they put up the Hubble telescope and they began to see that the universe was expanding faster and faster instead of slowing down as they had previously thought, Mm -hmm. down due to gravity. And then the only explanation they have is dark energy and dark matter. And then when they sit right down to think about it, they say, well, we can see light energy, which is 4% of the universe, and we cannot discern 96% of the universe. And then those same materialist scientists were all that hubris of not knowing 96% of what there is out there. We'll say, but we're sure there's no afterlife, and the 96% we don't know what it is.
1: Right. That's crazy.
2: You idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't 96% you don't know, but you're positive that things you don't want and don't like aren't out there. <sighs> okay, so why don't they like it and not want it? Because they still, though they quit believing in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and God— yeah. They still live in hell. And if we allow a conscious universe, they're going to catch hell. And that's why they're so militant against us. They forgot to forget hell.
1: Interesting.
2: As they grew up, they, they forgot about the Easter Bunny. They forgot about Santa Claus. They forgot about God. But they forgot to forget about hell. And all the stuff they were taught as a little child. And they're going to catch hell if they allow us to have a conscious universe. But we know there isn't a hell. So what's the worry? That they don't listen to us. So um, that's kind of, what it was like and I come back and the the psychiatrist says to me but you know you couldn't you're not Jesus you didn't die and come back I said no I don't know that Jesus did that either but um I did this I went over there and I came back and so I then finally said to him look I said I've been to Mexico you haven't you claim Mexico is not there um why don't you come along with me and discover Mexico you know yeah great way of putting it sure yeah he, well, that made him mad. I told him, I said, You're, I, I respect your degrees and everything else, but you haven't been to Mexico. And so he wanted to put me in the Nut House really badly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing I, so I learned uh, and I came back and, and I was very empathetic and I could feel everybody in the room and what they were thinking and what they were doing. And I just had to learn to close up and fold up and not be involved and not feel what they were doing over there. And then when I got near retirement, about 2006, I said, ah, now I can study mediumship. And I started to open up again because, you know, I could could feel all that stuff. And I just opened it all up again and started going to Arthur Finley and having fun. And uh, it's been a great experience ever since. Um, You know, as a scientist who, who becomes a medium that believes in it, you know, and that's what it takes. And that's why all the other scientists have fun with me because I can talk to them at their level, and then I can also do the mediumship, and then they can test me and wire my head and see what I'm doing. It's a oh, lot of fun.
1: And you've had your head wired. I've had tested. my head
2: wired. Uh, you know, uh, Doctor uh, Dean Radin and Doctor Arnold DeLorme have wired my head with thirty-two point EEG, and then put me in a Faraday cage. And as they're closing the door, Helen, who talks to me from the other side, whom I never met in this life, but she came to me to to talk to me, Helen says oh, they're putting us in a cabinet, you know, I mean, you know, she's in there with me. They're trying to show that, no, there's no electrical or magnetic way that anything could come to me, but I'm still getting the information. So it's, it's just fine. But a cabinet back in the 1880s, mediums would have a cabinet to, to concentrate their energy. So they're closing the door on the Faraday cage and I'm inside there and it's, it, Helen says, it's a cabinet, Alan. And I say, yeah, that's right, Helen, you know. And and so I go into an altered state, and they were having me look at pictures of uh, people that that were – the pictures were adjusted. So you you couldn't tell what era they were from or anything, and they would say, are these people alive or dead? Mm -hmm. And so I have three buttons to push, yes, no, or maybe. And I put my fingers on the buttons, and I say to Helen, okay, Helen, I'll just go into an altered state, and you look and pick if they're alive or dead. And we hit about 62 percent correct, and um, that's not bad. Uh, you know, usually if you if you're anything better than fifty fifty, then it's obviously so you're not guessing. So that's as good as we could get. We were uh, validating a previous study, and I said to them, "Then I said, now this is not what mediums do." And Dr. Lawrence says, "So what would you like to do instead?" And I said, "Well, I'd like to actually give people readings." So we set up a protocol, and it's the the twenty six questions I ask all spirits, anyways. First, what's your name? What's your relationship? You know, what, how'd you die? i got a set of questions for them, and I tell Spirit, if you don't answer the questions, I'm not going to take the message. You know, i got to have these first, because I want to know I'm talking to you. I want your name, so I can tell the person your name. I want your relationship, so I can tell them your relationship, and if I can have that evidence up front, then I'll take the message.
1: We'll be back in just a minute with the logical mind of scientist, Dr. Alan Huguenot. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot Shades.
4: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the tonne. fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
5: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff in my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded.
6: We're actually reopening an old case and your name came up.
5: Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a
0: dozen. I thought they were gonna kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years I didn't say anything.
5: Listen to cold-blooded the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the healthcare law called the Affordable Care Act. Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you.
6: Much more. There's even a section that includes our most popular uploads, such as many of the David Politi shows on people disappearing in national parks. To visit or subscribe, just go to YouTube and type in Coast to Coast AM Official, or you can simply go to the Coast to Coast website and click on the YouTube icon at the top. It's the official Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel. You're gonna love this. Just get on over to Coast to Coast and start your free listening now.
4: You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain on the new iHeart Media and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can listen to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows.
1: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're with Dr. Alan Huguenot, a nationally recognized expert in physics and engineering science, as he shares being tested as a research medium at the Institute of Noetic Sciences.
2: And so the alarm set it up um, with, with Dean and They set it up so I did all 32 employees at the Noetic Center in two days. I gave them five-minute readings triple blind. They walk in the room. I don't know their name. I just get to see them. I look at them and then I write the answers to the, the questions. And we did very, very well. I, I, to, to, we would unblind the study if I was to be able to ever meet with the the um, employees and say, okay, how much of that made sense to you? Because that would unblind it. They'd say, oh yeah, you had the right name. And, I, and then, then people would say that I preconceived it, it was precognition and it wasn't mediumship. And so we don't want to unblind it, but I have seen four of the employees of the thirty-two, who have walked up to me on campus at uh, the uh, Institute of Neurotic Sciences, and they come running towards me, and I hold up my hands and I put my finger in front of my mouth and say
1: "shh,"
2: mm-hmm. what, what, what? And I said, we cannot unblind the study, and they just oh, you want to talk to me. So yes, long. of course. I say, here's what you can do: you can tell me if it was really good or if it was really bad, and they say, oh, my God, really good. So four of them have done that, including Sandra Beaton, the president of the Noetic Society. She's one of the four. And um, so just to let you know, they got their messages really well, and that worked really well. We haven't gotten another medium to do that. We just don't have any money to study that particular thing yet, but we will use that protocol. Dr. Doram and I and others will use that protocol on other mediums to make it because it's what mediums do. We, we we answer the questions like that. And and so evidential mediums get it. You're gonna this is the answers. And uh Suzanne Giesman and I we call that um name rank and serial number. It's just a list of questions. You give me name rank and serial number, I'm working with you. And if you can't do that, don't and it works so well because anytime I sit down and get to know the client a little bit, the the sitter a little bit. Yeah. Um, I will get the names every time, 100%. The name comes through, the exact name. Here it is, and the exact relationship. Here it is, because that's what spirit's pouring down through me. I'm just open, and it just comes out, and there it is. It's not me. I've done it in front of the, the spiritualist church, uh, where I get um, five names and five relationships, perfectly done in front of, for three sitters, um, and who the people were and what their names were, and I've done that with scientists in the room. And they look at it and they say, How did you do that? And I say, I did not do that. All I did was be open. Spirit did that because the odds are 320 billion to one when we figure that out uh, statistically. I couldn't guess that. Five names. I mean, just to guess a name is 200. Oh, to one.
1: I, I understand. It, it's yeah. impossible. It's just so rare. It's but then impossible. I've had even people argue the point with me saying, Well, then somebody must be reading somebody's mind.
2: Well, okay. So I I was doing that one. I, I did uh, Mary Franklin, and and I got her grandmother that she never met that died before she was born. And and I said her name's Mary. and Yours is Mary. That doesn't make sense to me. She said later. She said, well, yeah, I'm named after her, but then the spirit gave me the middle name, and I'm sitting there saying Ma 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 Margo, Ma Ma Margaret. Well, her middle name was Mamie. That's why I'm saying I don't stutter. And, but we didn't know that. She didn't know that. Nobody in the room knew that. But her cousin back east had a picture on the back of the picture said Mary Adelaide nicknamed Mamie. Wow. Which we got three weeks later. You know, I mean, we, we didn't know what was, what was happening there. But that's the kind of stuff. I'm not reading somebody's mind. How could I read her cousin's mind in New York? I, there's three million people in, in the United States, at least three, 300 million people in the United States. I couldn't possibly pick her out from way back there and pick her brain.
1: How would I do that? Well, and that's kind of a dumb argument anyways, because if you could read somebody's mind, why couldn't you read a dead person's mind?
2: That's correct. And and so we always say to the materialist that says that, well, you don't believe in ESP either. So how can you say I did ESP? Aha. Uh-huh. I don't believe in either one. And, you know, you can't use something else you don't believe in to disprove some. the first thing you don't believe in. You've got to, you know, believe in the thing you're using to disprove something. You can't, you know, that's just that's a stupid argument.
1: Yes. Wasn't there so a study that was done too um, with mediums, whether they were in the alpha state, delta, gamma, theta?
2: Oh, yeah, what well, we're in, in when, when, uh, when, uh, okay, uh, Gary Schwartz did one of those, and and, um, and uh, Dr. DeLorme's done one at the Medic Society. Both of the labs have done this. And what they've discovered is it's mostly gamma, and gamma is what you do your muscles, your feelings, your, it's not your imagination. Mm. and. and they can show you pictures of this, uh, diagrams of it of your head, showing you what perception looks like, what imagination looks like, what recollection looks like, what mediumship looks like, and what normal looks like, and they're all different. And but we've shown that your gamma is what's happening. Your your muscles, your feelings, your hearing, and your eyes are what are doing all the work. And n- your your brain's not fabricating anything. It's just taking in information through the feelings clairsentient clairvoyant and clairaudient that's what you're doing they can show that we've got very good data for that to show that it's coming from outside the medium now where it's coming from is coming from akashic record am i remembering things about grandma Mm -hmm. i can tell you from my own experience working with helen that uh, it's an ongoing relationship she does things that Um, I weren't there before. This is not history that I'm reading about Helen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Helen plays with me from the other side. And I, I get that. And every time I, every time I go to a medium myself, especially at Arthur Fenway, everybody gives you a reading. Um, they'll just look at me and they'll say, is her name Helen? And they don't know. (laughs) Or, um, she, she's my wife's mother and I never met her. Okay. My mother-in-law. Yeah. And, and, uh. But she gave – she left a bracelet for my wife before I met my wife and left it in the safe and said, this is for Gail. And then when Gail knew I wanted turquoise to, to break up the circuit so people can't suck my energy off after I'm working as a medium, uh, the turquoise does do that. It fits nicely in the circuit. And Didn't know that? Yeah, get a, that's why we like our turquoise. <laughs>
1: okay, so, good to know.
2: So – um. And she says, Oh, well, uh, Helen had a, a turquoise bracelet. She gives you the bracelet. I'm over at Arthur Finley in 2015, and I've got this medium has been doing it for about 30 years. We're in an advanced class, and we're doing stuff with, with Simone Key, the, and we're, we're having a good time. And this 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 medium is giving me a reading. She says, Oh, and I've got this lady here. And oh, she gave you she gave you a bracelet after she died. How did she do that? And on this lady's from our, from Scotland, you know, how did she do that? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, you know, uh, here's how she did that, you know, because they get the information like that. Well, see, Helen plays with me all the time like that through other mediums. And and uh, she wakes me up at three every morning so I can have a, you know, sit down and get some impressional writing from her. And um, I'm working on the soul phone with with Gary Schwartz. Uh, and Gary had said, here's go get the answer. I mean, this is like a year and a half ago, go get the answer. I said, okay, what's the question? He says, no, no, it doesn't work the way it is triple blind. You just go get the answer. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Okay. So I go off to get the answer. And, um, four and a half, five months later, uh, I start getting this, this information for about six weeks through Helen and it's coming uh, from James Clerk Maxwell and Max Planck. And, and it's coming to me, and and um, other people get their information from David Bohm and other people like that. But here it comes, and I was told in 2013 before I met Gary uh, that, I, that that uh, James Clerk Maxwell would be working through me, and so here I am getting this information, and it's all about optics. And I think, well, I you know Gary's working on on audio, you know, and I'm getting all this optical information, crystals and lattice structures, and this is all oh, this is crazy, you know. So, but I write it all down because I'm taught at Arthur Filling College. Give what you get. So I write all that down and give what you get. And this is what Helen said this day and this is what Helen said that day. And here's what Max Planck said and here's what uh, James Kirk Maxwell said. So I get it all done and I package it all up after the six weeks since the end, the end of July. And and Gary says, when are you guys coming down? Because he wants to see my wife's Tesla S. And so I said, oh, we'll come down in August. So we, we drive down in August. We get there we go out to Tombstone territory and we come back and we're having fun. And then Sunday afternoon we go to Gary's lab and we sit down. And Gary says, okay, Alan, uh, by the way, you got the answer. So I did. What was the question again? You know, And <laughs> you verified 95% of what I've been looking to get the verification on. And that's why I wanted you, a scientist who was a medium, to, to go do this. Because Rhonda's been working on it. She's an artist. And, you know for her to explain it in scientific terms are very difficult. It's taken a long time and you've verified everything she's worked seven years to get and you've done it in about six weeks. And, uh, and I like that. And I said, well, part of that's because we already made the pattern and I can find the pattern and follow it. But, but it's also the download from the other side. And he says, now that we have the verification independently, and he says other meetings that got me a piece of each of this, you know, they'll get this piece or that piece, but you've got this whole chunk. And I said, but it's optical. And he says, yeah, I know. That's what I wanted. And you thought it was audio, didn't you? And I, and I said, yeah, I thought you wanted audio. He says, well, I just led you astray on purpose. Um.
1: Well, and this is about the technology behind the soul phone.
2: Exactly
1: right. Oh, wow.
2: That's the stuff we're doing. We're talking to these scientists from the other side and getting this stuff. And that comes through Helen. See, and Helen... And, uh, and you say to the scientists, why do you work through us? Well, you know, you're pretty famous. Why are you working through us? Why don't you go somewhere else? And they say, because you're the only ones doing it. Where, where else are we going to go? I and mean, Come on, give me a break. And that's literally what they tell us. You're the only ones doing it. Where are you going to use you? And that's why they use us. We have enough belief. And they've told me, they say, well, you and Helen uh, have known each other for a long time. I've never met her before in this physical life. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we've known each other before. And Helen reads me like a book. She doesn't come through for her own daughter who, uh, Gail, who can go and see when she said Arthur Finley taking a class, she can see the spirit standing next to the people. Helen doesn't talk to Gail. She talks to me. And it's like, it's the craziest thing in the world because it's her mom. Right. She talks to me. It's like, okay. And, um, and I, and, 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 but Gail can say when I write this impressions that I get, she says, Oh, that's Helen right there. I can see that. Oh, that's her. She, oh, yeah. She said that. And, and so she can see her mom in it, and, and yet she doesn't talk to her. But the first time I ever got a reading from a medium um, who brought up Helen, she said, I've got a mother figure here. So I'm thinking my grandma and my mother and like that. And she says she's an architect from Minneapolis. I said, well, first off, none of my grandmothers are architects, and none of them are from, from – um, <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah, none of them from Minnesota, from Virginia and Ohio and, you know, and Kansas – missouri and she says i'll go back and then she comes back you know 86 year old medium really great and she says oh she says she's not exactly a relative but she's a mother figure well who's not exactly your relative but a mother figure your mother-in-law couldn't be anybody else and then she says and she's not an architect but she draws houses i live in a building that she drew um and then she said and she's definitely from minneapolis and helen is definitely from Minneapolis.
1: We'll be back in just a moment to continue listening to Alan, but wanted to point something out to you. The way mediumship works is that the deceased can only use the information that is already in your own memory bank. Helen knew architecture, so it makes sense why she is working from the other side with Dr. Alan, who is also a marine architect. For the scientific information needed to proceed with the soul phone, Dr. Gary Schwartz worked with Dr. Allen to get the information from scientists in the afterlife, because Dr. Allen is a scientist. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
4: A new season of Bridgerton is here.
1: It's the good people who stand by and do
2: nothing that allow them to flourish.
7: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters big and small, support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit RedCross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS.
6: The best afterlife information you can get while you're alive. Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain.
1: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with scientist and medium, Dr. Alan Huguenot. questioning how do we really know if it's the other side communicating?
2: As scientists, we just don't know. But to us mediums, oh, yes, we know exactly. The spirit is talking to us, and it's really that person. And when I do readings and I get names and, and I know the name and I, I've got somebody's mother there and their sister-in-law that died and their brother and I got them all by name and I'm talking, um, what else can it be except those individuals coming back? Oh, of course. It will be their memory. Yeah. It's, it's more than that. And so we're busy doing that. And that's why I wrote the book, um, the, the the uh The New Science of the Conscious Universe. I wrote that book because people have to know that quantum electrodynamics supports everything that we think. And the materialists are using old stuff from 350 years ago. They're based on the first principles of materialism. And those first principles were all assumed to be self-evident 350 years ago. Now, nobody's ever sat down and tried to prove them. And if they would, quantum electrodynamics does not support reality. It does not support determinism. It does not support certainty. It doesn't support, support any of these basic principles of materialism. But it does support a conscious universe, and it does support multiple dimensions. If you take string theory and you look at string theory, there are eight different levels out there. Seven more than the three we have, plus M theory on top. Well, if you look at the um, the Kabbalah, it's um, or you look at the the older um interpretations um there's seven heavens and then there's god or ein Sof above that and if you look at these older uh, systems of looking at consciousness which are religious and you look at string theory it's the same thing it's just a different way of saying it whether we do it mathematically or we do it in a in a metaphysical way and metaphysics just means beyond physics and when Descartes divided it up, he said physics is going to be what we can see and metaphysics is going to be what we can't see. And we've got a whole bunch of materialists that think the whole thing is what we can see. understand there's this whole other part that Descartes and Newton. Newton was an alchemist, for heaven's sake. He was into where where do we get this information? How do we get this information? Ah. The Nobel laureates who gave us quantum electrodynamics were into Hindu this and Good off that and they were into everything else and they were not into what everybody thinks materialism What happened is we didn't listen to the German intelligentsia after the second world war We thought oh the holocaust the Germans are terrible and so the American second-level Intellects who were running the colleges, but weren't Nobel laureates who gave us quantum electrodynamics began to say, we won the war, America knows, we're the best. Instead of looking at saying, you know, those guys who gave us quantum electrodynamics really knew what they were doing, and what did they say? Max Planck, in 1900, before he called Einstein to come work with him over at Berlin, Mm -hmm. Max said, mind is the matrix of matter. Mind is the matrix of matter. In other words, the universe is conscious. Those guys knew what they were doing. Schrodinger, Dirac, Bohr, all of those people knew that the universe is conscious. We're still having to prove it. Ninety years after they, by 1934, they had quantum electrodynamics completely nailed down. It took till 65 for the three scientists to put the mathematics to it. But we already knew that quantum electrodynamics is real. And why do I say quantum electrodynamics? Everyone else says quantum mechanics. That's mm-hmm. because materialists trying to say that it's mechanical. It's not mechanical. It's not physical. It's not quantum mechanics. It's quantum electrodynamics. That's what they called it. And so quantum mechanics makes sense to a materialist. It's not. It's a separate thing. It's different. Quantum electrodynamics requires an observer outside the system Okay, and when you see the double slit experiment, and I often explain that on and when I'm uh, doing a, a presentation, but yeah. you can, and look up um, Doctor Quantum, and Fred Allen Wolf has a great Fred Allen Wolf has a great cartoon of Doctor Quantum with the double slit experiment. And the double slit experiment, the thing that's so important to know, and this was in the movie What to Believe Do We Know? The photon realizes that we're looking at it. And decides to be a particle of matter. Otherwise it remains a wave. It only changes from a wave to a particle when a conscious mind looks at it. We can record what it's doing mechanically. And it will remain in the quantum state until a conscious mind, a living conscious mind, looks at the data. In which case it all retroactively backwards moves from the quantum state into the physical state. It collapses the wave function retroactively. We can show that in an experiment that it requires a consciousness outside of physics to observe the potential and create what's going to be. Okay. When you understand that at a very deep level, you understand what David Bohm's talking about with the implicate universe, explicate universe and the implicate universe, the implicate universe is the one we don't see. The explicate one is the one we do see. But the one we do see comes from the one that we don't see. When you understand all of that, you finally get to the realization that when materialists talk about the Big Bang, all you have to do is ask them, what was here two weeks before the Big Bang? (laughs) They don't have an answer. So their Big Bang is a worse creation story than any religion saying God made it right it's so it there's nothing to support it but here's the reality from quantum electrodynamics there had to be a consciousness observing the big bang to make it happen to make the wave function collapse into the big bang there had to be a consciousness Quantum electrodynamics requires it. Now, if you say, well, I don't want to believe in quantum electrodynamics, fine. Get rid of your cell phone. Get rid of anything with a transistor in it because we need, transistor, we need quantum electrodynamics to be true in order for you to have a transistor. And we've had transistors since 1947. And they're all based on quantum electrodynamics being true. It's the most proven theory of all of physics of all of time.
1: Wow, that's incredible, Alan. I wanted to ask you about the power of intention. I've studied at the Arthur Findlay College, and it was said many, many times how powerful intention is. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely, intention is absolutely tied into all of this, and what you intend is what will occur. Intention creates the universe. When when you observe, why does the photon become what you want to see? The, the, you know, uh, Einstein said it this way. So, if all of that's true, then if we stop looking at the moon, it disappears. That's what Einstein says. And yes, if he, if everyone stopped looking at the moon, it would disappear. It only just appears because we start to look at it. And you say, "Well, how can that be?" Well, we reappear. You and I are an illusion to begin with, and we constantly reappear right where we are. We're a constantly reoccurring apparition, and we. Rematerialize out of the zero point field, the, the dark energy, into the light energy that we see. We rematerialize 23 septillion times a second. That's a pretty big number. It's like a lot of zero.
1: <laughs> mm, it's hard for my brain to get around this, and I but trust it.
2: You and I are a continuously reappearing apparition, and we're being formed out of the universe all the time, and so is the desk and the chair and everything around you. Okay? And there's some collective intention here. If I go to Yosemite, I'm going to see Half Dome just like you saw Half Dome in Yosemite, okay? Yeah. We're going to see the same thing. That's collective intention, okay? We're all going to see Half Dome. But Half Dome is not really there. It just appears in front of us 23 septillion times a second. And you say, well, I can watch a chip of rock fall and off the, the cliff and fall down there and become part of the talus slope below there. Yep, you can watch that. We create the universe. It's the only way it possibly can be if quantum electrodynamics is true. If it's not true, we have to get rid of the cell phones and the plasma TVs and, and just about everything we do. So it is true. So if it's true, then that has to be true, too. It. This is a beautifully orchestrated illusion.
1: Well, even if you get down to us in the molecular, cellular atoms within us, I mean, there's no matter there. Isn't it just vibrating energy?
2: It's just a vibrating thought. So, yep, there's nothing there. It's just a piece of consciousness. And that's where we go with string theory. In string theory, we try to explain string theory. We say, think about a string vibrating without a string being there. And so when you try to picture that, what have you got? Nothing. You've nothing. got Nothing. A- You got a thought there. It's a nothing that there's just a consciousness there. That's all there is. And so when you watch the photon, just a a part of the universe saying, "Uh uh-oh, she's looking at me. I got to become matter, which you see in the double-slit experiment, you realize that the photon is conscious. Okay, the photon knows you're looking. I mean, the photon is conscious. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so if the photon is conscious, we have to live in a conscious universe. And the materialists would say, oh, I can't stand it. My brain hurts. No, it can't be. My brain hurts. I can't take this in, you know. Well, take it in. It's real. (laughs) That's what it is. And I, as I say in my book, the luckiest thing that ever happened to me was I got killed in a motorcycle wreck. Luckiest thing that ever happened because it opened me up to the other side. Otherwise, I'd probably be one of those stupid scientists arguing.
1: Alan, before you went to the Arthur Finley College to learn mediumship, didn't you do some kind of at-home study course?
2: Morris Pratt, the, the spiritualist church in the United States, uh, has the Morris Pratt Institute, it's about a hundred years old. They have a very good uh, curriculum. They've been teaching spiritualism for a hundred years, uh, uh, healing, mediumship, and how to be a spiritualist minister all at once. Well, I was afraid of things, you know. i mean as a, I grew up in a fundamentalist Baptist family, and you know, to to do the seance or you know you're talking to the devil according to them my right. sister thinks I've gone to the devil and she prays for me every day you know because i'm a medium she thinks was <laughs> <it's> no <different laughs> devil but she thinks i've gone to the devil and, and
1: she's entitled <laughs> in her to her opinion right, right. Her
2: opinion. yeah and so i was afraid so i said well maybe i can take this correspondence course so i took their correspondence course and i spent about six years getting through that a four-year course <coughs> finally to finish it i took a cruise for 35 days so that i would have enough time to get through the last 10 lessons and get done and then the first time i was on the platform in front of people doing a, a reading i almost got a name i had the, the, the young lady's deceased former fiance told what he looked like and everything else and then i said He had something to do with basketballs, and she said he doesn't even like sports. He didn't have anything to do with basketballs. And I said, oh, later I said to Helen, what was that about? She said, well, the only professional basketball player you know is Jack Sigma of the Seattle Sonics, and I was trying to make you think basketball so that you could say his name, which was Jack. I went back and asked the girl, what was your boyfriend's name? She said, Jacques.
1: It's interesting. We say we want to believe in the afterlife, but it's hard getting our minds around the science of the afterlife. If you want to go down the rabbit hole even further into science, watch the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? And find the double slit experiment by Dr. Quantum, Fred Allen Wolf on YouTube. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM
4: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
5: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert.
1: It's a shame, you know, that
3: they took him from us.
5: Experience this investigation in a truly unique way Listen to Cold Blooded: The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: We started talking about this incident, drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's
5: like the police knew who he was before they got here.
7: A story about money, power, and corruption.
6: Hey everybody, it's producer Tom and you're listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain on the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can listen to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows.
1: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we've been in a very deep conversation with Dr. Alan Huguenot, nationally recognized expert in physics and engineering science and a psychic medium. Alan, you've often spoken about Helen, your middleman on the other side, helping you with your mediumship. Do we all have a Helen?
2: There seems to be, whether they know it or not, there's a middleman. And the, way, the reason that is for Spirits, particularly somebody died and they're just over on the other side. They, we think, well, my my husband or just died or my wife just died. Certainly, they can communicate with me. Well, no, they have to learn how. They've never done this before. In fact, on this side, they didn't even believe in it. So now they're over. <laughs> right. the, how are they going to communicate back to you? So they go to the medium on that side, and the easiest way to see it is: there's four of us. There's me, and there's Helen, and then there's the the sitter here, and there's the the spirit over there that wants to talk to the sitter. And so they talk to Helen and Helen puts it into things that fit in my head and and like Jack and bring it out from me so that I'll say basketballs means Jack, you know, and and I will say it. And so Helen makes, puts the feelings into me that make me speak and she knows how to do that. So she must've known me before and I'll get the right name and I'll get the right relationship and, and and I don't know how it happens. I really don't know how it works. All I know is I do it. Right. And it seems that Helen's making that happen. And she's pretty happy to tell me, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm right here. That's me. That's what's going on. So, okay, then that's what's happening. So it appears that they need to, uh, you know, they're not just suddenly magic on that side. They're just like us. It's just the next chapter. We've stepped into the next chapter of our saga. And they're just like us. They still have just the same kinds of problems that we have. So they need to get a medium to talk to the medium. Pretty simple. The soul phone is going to solve that a little bit. We're going to make it a little more obvious to people that you can really talk to those deceased, departed loved ones. They're not really dead.
1: I'm excited to see how the technology with the soul phone develops. I remember being a kid, Alan, and we were at Disney World back when it first opened. And I remember walking up to a kiosk and somebody could see my face and I was talking to them, like we have FaceTime now and Zoom. And to me, that was absolutely mind-blowing. And then one of the rides it said, someday there'll be a computer in every household, and here we are so many years later, and we have that, and not just a computer in every household, but our cell phones do everything and more that computers could do. So I'm really excited to see the future of the soul phone, and it sounds to me like we can text our loved ones.:
2: Texting's about five years. We're going to be two years if we have the, what we call the soul switch. We have that right now. It's very proven technology. Um, We can get yes, no. um, And with 20 questions, you can get anything you want from the other side using the yes, no soul switch. We detect their presence. Mm -hmm. We're, We're working on the keyboard. And when we have the keyboard, you can have text. And that's within the next five years, honestly. It's really here. Oh, I've
1: got goosebumps.
2: Yeah, get goosebumps. Think about texting your deceased relative and then they, they, they text back. OK, that's the technology exists. We have we have everything we need to do it. And we have spirit that works with Gary and and the other scientists on this. And it's coming. I, I can't say too much because that's a okay. lot of proprietary, but um, it's it, we're keeping it in proprietary. We're holding it for the people on the other side who gave it to us.
1: I'm excited about this, Alan, and I know so many listeners will be as well. I know many of us have been just keeping our mouths quiet and not talking about our love for investigating the afterlife. So many people think we're weirdos and that there's no proof of the afterlife. And to have credible people like yourself and Dr. Gary Schwartz and Sonia Rinaldi and people with the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, it makes me feel good that I can share, that I can share what I love and know that it's backed up by science.
2: You're serving spirit, and that's what we're doing. And I never charged anybody any money for mediumship. I do it strictly for the science of it. It's not a, it's not a game. It's not a, a, a way to make money. It's not. It's none of that. It's absolutely real. Nothing wrong with making money at it, but a lot of people accuse accuse people of being um, frauds and, yes. and, and everything else because of the money issue. That's not it at all. It's absolutely real. No one's ever paid me a nickel, and yet I've given them names and and relationships and tell them everything about the person who's talking to them, and then I tell them things that only that person could have said, and I don't know where it comes from, and I always know. I know, I know when I'm right on because my mind will say, Alan, where are you getting this crap? Okay, that's what my mind will say. Hmm. And when it's really not me at all, it's coming from outside, and it's absolutely them. And they'll mention something that doesn't make any sense to me at all and absolutely makes sense to the person. And that's uh, what this is about. We're serving spirit, and we're going to do that. And we're at a point where the technology is going to take us across the line and and. Uh, James Clerk Maxwell said this has ramifications way beyond anything you can imagine way out into the universe at too many levels and we're, we're we're this is the first crossing of this divide into the physical from the other dimensions and just the fact that we can detect spirit and now that we can talk to them openly in, in a texted message is is way beyond anything we've had before and suddenly People who say there is no afterlife, this is all BS and everything else. And by the way, BS stands for belief system. I hope you know that.
1: No, I didn't. That's great.
2: BS is the belief system. We all have our BS, our religion. And even if your religion is materialism, it is a religion. It is a belief system. It is a BS. Mm -hmm. And they don't seem, they think, oh, no, we're we're not uh, superstitious. Well, superstition, according to Carl Sagan, superstition is a belief without data. And so believing in materialism based on six first principles, which have no data to back them up, is got to be superstition. And it is. Quantum electrodynamics is not superstition. We have a lot of evidence for the fact that the universe responds to your intention.
1: Well, that's good and bad news, because we really have to watch our thoughts and our words.
2: You say, poor me, that's your intention. So don't say, poor me.
1: Oh, I love it. Now, a lot of people think we need to be able to see it or smell it or taste it or touch it to know something's real. Isn't there a world that's happening in the invisible space around us?
2: For example, um, you like using electric light, don't you? I do. Have you ever seen electricity?
1: No, I haven't. None
2: of us have ever seen electricity? So it doesn't exist. Um, When you use a compass, a magnetic compass, it's following the lines of magnetic flux. Um, does it work? Yeah. Have you ever seen those lines of magnetic flux? No. Are they there? No. They don't. Ex- can't see them. So they don't exist. And it's like that. All of it's like that. Uh, the only reason that they even accept electronics is because uh, James Clerk Maxwell, the guy I talked to, wrote those uh, Maxwell's equations, which put magnetism and electricity together and put them into physics and they just kind of snuck it in the back door and all of a sudden they realize, oh my god this stuff is all out there it's real it's radiation it's different levels of of radiation oh my you know i guess we have to deal with this and it's all electricity is light it's just light that you can't see and you have to realize it's out of the visual range the visual range is this little thin little thing and the Spirits exists in the what we call call far ultraviolet, and it's been told to us many times. And if you understand octaves and think it's five octaves above high C, you you'll come to a level which is a high the, the far ultraviolet where they are visible. You just can't see it with your eyes. So we're working with deriving a way to see that. And when we do, then you'll have the video phone that's the that's about 10 years out i have it from the other side that we have to perfect the torsion yin yang if you want to call it that or left and right-handed spin um there's a number of different ways and theories and in in history there's a lot of different ways to try to describe the same thing but it's torsion it's not electromechanical we can see it um in certain levels, and if it's very dark and if we're very used to the dark, your, your, your rods and your eyes can see it, your cones can't. And so it usually looks black and white to us instead of colored. But they are visible, and we're going to do, do the optics to bring it down to where we can use it. Uh, right now, we have infrared cameras, and infrared is a color we can't see. Heat is infrared, and there's a color we can't see. It's just below her. Our visual range, and so we take a camera and we make the the ultraviolet appear in a color like usually green, which we can see, and that's what an ultraviolet or excuse me, an infrared camera does. We're going to do that with far ultraviolet, so you can see the deceased spirit talking to you. Wow! Still physical. Like we are. How we're doing it, I'm not telling you, but it's going to happen.
1: Do you know what? I wouldn't understand it, even if you did tell me.
2: In, in five years, you're going to text grandma. And in, in 10 years, you know, I'll sit you down in a booth, and she'll holographically be right in front of you, and when she says hi, her lips will move and everything. And you'll know that it's her. It'll look like her. She'll be wearing a dress that you remember. You know, that kind of thing is just down the road. Oh. And the people who are investing in it are people who used to own phone companies. I mean, it's this is really something that's going on.
1: That sure is. And then grandma's got to take a class on her side to figure out how to use the cell phone from the afterlife.
2: Yeah, you're gonna, I don't know how they're doing it on their side exactly. But we know on this side, we'll, we'll be having booths or studios or uh, when we get to the texting, it'll finally come in your cell phone eventually, just like now you text your friends. It'll eventually work down to that. In the beginning, it'll be a little different from that, but it's the technology already exists for everything we're going to do. The religions will debate with us and hate us. You're going to see a new world order very rapidly because no one will be able any longer to say that consciousness and the universe is not conscious that God or the force, I would rather say the force, doesn't exist, and they'll no longer be able to say, that we don't have an afterlife and that we don't go on. It's going to be very obvious that all of that is true. We don't die. There are no dead.
1: Thank you so much, Alan, for all you've done and are continuing to do. For our listeners, I encourage you to find the video on YouTube called The Nature of Consciousness, Interview with Alan Huguenot, and follow the latest on The Soul Phone at thesoulphonefoundation.org. And if you want to tap into your own natural psychic and medium mystic abilities and learn to quiet your mind, to connect with your loved ones in the unseen world, we have new courses starting every month online. Check out our calendar at Sandrashamplain.com. I'm Sandra Champlain, and you've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
0: You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. For shows like this and others, please make sure to tune into the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone.